the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory-trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. The winter savings continue at Linden Sheet Metal. The holidays are over, but it's not too late to buy a gift for your home and save money while doing it. Linden Sheet Metal has furnace, air conditioner, and heat pump discounts up to $900. Utility rebates up to $1,500. And beginning January 1, there are tax credits up to $2,000 off. And it doesn't end there. Showroom fireplace models are discounted 40%, and new fireplaces are $300 off installation. The benefits of a new energy-efficient fireplace, heating, or cooling system will help you save on future energy bills and can increase the value of your home. Call Linden Sheet Metal today to schedule a free estimate. Our consultants will come out and find the best solution for your home. We also offer easy financing with low monthly payments. Now is a great time to upgrade your home. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. Well, unfortunately, what our government tends to do keeps making it more and more and more expensive to grow food. Here in this country, here in Washington State specifically. Actually, right now, uh, we, we need to tackle some stuff actually that the feds uh, have done of late. Welcome back to the Farming Show here on KGMI. Good Saturday morning to you. I am Dylan Honkoop with Whatcom Family Farmers and Save Family Farming. So what's this all about? What, how is government making growing food more expensive yet again? Well, um, this has to do with labor and the cost of harvesting and, and uh, harvesting fruit uh, and other things uh, and running a farm and, and producing food here in Washington. We've talked about it a lot. There's this false narrative that activists have put out. That there is no labor shortage, but we know that it absolutely is true. There is an extreme labor shortage in farming in Washington state. It continues to get worse every year and that is one of the big reasons why people our farms are needing to get help from elsewhere because there just aren't the people around here willing to do the work able to do the work that needs to get done on farms to you know grow food so guest workers you know folks who live in another country 
but want to sign up and say, hey, yeah, I could use to make a lot of extra cash that could change my life. I will sign up for a contract to go work for X number of months in wherever. In this case, we're talking about Washington State to help harvest some food or do other jobs on farms and then go back home. It's... On paper, it's a great thing for those folks. It's more hassle and more expense for farms, and it continues to get more and more expensive. Unfortunately, oftentimes, it's kind of the the only option farms are faced with to get the, the folks needed to get things done. Joining me right now with WAFLA, uh, an organization that we've talked with multiple times about this issue and specifically about the H-2A guest worker program, is their uh, new CEO, uh, Enrique Gastelum, welcome to the program this morning. Enrique, thanks for being here. And, and you know, I want to get into more of the background of how all this works. But first, explain what's going on with this new rule, the, the feds changing the rules, updating the rules, as they say, and they've been working on it for a few years, updating the rules for this guest worker program. What did they do? Yeah, good morning, Dylan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, happy Saturday out there to the ag community. Um, yeah, so... These new rules are an update to the last version of the H-2A rules, which had been in place since 2010. Um, During the Trump administration, the Trump administration's Department of Labor picked up uh, the baton to start taking a look at the uh, H-2A rules that had been in place for quite some time. Uh, They were looking at ways to you know, obviously there's uh, nobody's trying to disparage workers or not take care of workers. And so there were a few things there. They were looking to clean up on the worker end, but then there was also a, a lot of balancing being looked at on ways that they could help farmers, uh, the employers of these guest workers, um, lower the costs, lower the bureaucratic uh, paperwork, the, the red tape. Uh, that it takes to do this program and and make it much more efficient to use. Because as you said in your opening there, uh, we do not have domestic workers available to do our labor-intensive seasonal agricultural work needed here all over the Pacific Northwest and the United States. I mean, there was something that just came out from employment security in our state uh, last week, uh, an announcement that um, they were patting themselves on the back, that they helped place a whopping 11 domestic workers for the nearly 34,000 available H-2A positions in the state of Washington. And so 11 out of 34,000. That's nuts. Just for our state. Just in Washington. So the narrative that there's all these workers and people ready and willing and able and clamoring to come do this work is just, it's it's not true. Right. Um, And that was a, you know, the the pat on the back was that was a major increase of 1100% over the prior year because the prior year it was zero. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so, I mean, I guess if you're going on percentages, you know, everybody would love to have that success rate. But when we're looking at straight, uh, if we're looking at uh, the numbers, uh, 11 uh, is still alarming. The state has to study that number, or or I guess not, it's not a study per se, but it's, it's an attempt to find workers 
as part of using this this H-2A program, yeah, right? Is. And employers are, have the onus there as well to find anybody who might be available here locally so their jobs aren't displaced. Yeah, an employer that enters into this program, uh, you are, it is meant to be a U.S. domestic worker protection program. So there's many things in it, but when it comes to recruitment, Not only once you uh, get your labor certification from Department of Labor that says, yes, you're approved for the seasonal leave. Yes, you've given enough backup documentation showing that you have a need. You can start recruiting your foreign workers. You're also uh, mandated, you know, your jobs get posted federally. They get posted with employment security statewide. You're also required to do some local recruitment through newspapers, other ways in your region. And um, you have to do that up until 50% of the contract. So even if your contract is started, you are still actively have recruitments out there and you have to entertain any willing, abled, um, qualified candidates that would be U.S. domestic workers that come knocking on your door and says, hey, I see you have these jobs available um, and you need to do due diligence and evaluate that. But, yeah, only 11 were placed this last year. So, um, this, this, yeah, so obviously this program is much needed. But so I was getting back, you know, Trump administration picked up the baton to try and rewrite these rules. There was a lot of, um, you know, from the employer uh, uh, advocate side, employee advocate side, a push to have some changes to the rules. And there appeared to be some provisions in there that would have assisted at least on the employer front to make it more cost effective, a little bit more efficient. Um, But uh, we had a change in administration. Then we rolled over to the Biden administration and in 2020. And when they picked it up, they basically scrapped the Trump rule and um, uh, began rewriting it re-released a version in 2021. There was a short period of public comment. And then the uh, rule that is in effect now and will go into effect with um, workers arriving February 13th of 2023 and into the future. Uh, In essence, I would say double down on the employee protection portions Mm and basically stripped any and all things that may have been good for employers um, and really doubled down on um, making it much more difficult for um, uh, farm labor contractors that have been an integral part in supporting a lot of our smaller ag businesses or ag businesses that haven't been able to support workers. Um, it's really gone on to shine a very bright enforcement light on that group, a subsection of our industry. It has gone on the attack, I believe, against small growers that have, you know, worked very hard and invested a lot in trying to utilize and access the H-2A program. It has, uh, it's going to make it much more difficult for them Um those that have uh, gotten on in what's called joint employment contracts, and we can dive into that a little bit more. Um, it's created liability for any growers that are partnering up on contracts um, in that if there's a HJ contract violation or an issue with wage an hour at one farm, uh, everybody else on that contract with you, let's say there's five or six farms that are all you know, sharing resources to bring workers all up together, share housing, you know, um, uh, share the work. Uh, you know, I need them for two weeks. You need them for two weeks. Somebody else needs them two weeks. And then the workers go back. 
we are all now possibly liable for any and all violations that may occur at another farm's work site. Um, and then the last piece. It's crazy being, to me, by the way. I just, oh, it's, like, it, it's, it's like saying if, if you're farming and a farmer breaks, a, say a farmer violates a, a pollution rule, well, then all of the neighbors need to get fined too, even though it wasn't their own fault. I mean, it's, that just makes okay. no sense. Exactly. Exactly. Because <laughs> anyway, well, you're, you're sharing an irrigation ditch three miles down the road. Right. right? Why is it your uh, fault yeah. if you did everything? <sighs> anyway, I interrupted <laughs> yes. again. My apologies. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's created quite a bit of concern there. A couple of other things where it came out pretty hard on was because housing is one of the, I would say it's probably the um, first largest financial and structural obstacle to using the H2O program because a farmer has to provide free and clear safe housing for their workers. Um, some people have leaned on public accommodation, transient accommodation locations like hotels and motels in their areas. Um, and this has been a great business relationship amongst the farmers um, and these hotels, motels were maybe um, particularly during COVID when um, tourism was down, uh, movement of just U.S. visitors was down. This was a way where hotels, motels could contract with farmers to house H-2A workers um, and, you know, structures and, and, and give them a place to live and sleep while they're working on these U.S. contracts. Yeah. Well, now there's going to be even much more high scrutiny on those locations and that they have to meet um, some very strict farm worker housing provisions. And, you know, basically coming in and saying, well, even if you didn't build your hotel motel like a farm worker housing unit would be built, we're still going to put some um, very stringent rules and regulations on that. And, um, you know, a very extreme example, we had our Oregon conference down in Salem uh, in November, very nice, beautiful hotel. Um, but because the window did not open to the outside, um, we would not have been able to house HPA workers in this beautiful, very well lit uh, that's, that's hotel. Insane. Right, right. And so, um, you know, it's missing a screen on there and stuff like that. And so just things like that, uh, hotel motels are going to be highly scrutinized, which is completely, you know, yeah, if, if there was sort of a, 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 you know, hey, you have two years to sort of um, figure this out, um, yeah, that might buy people some time. But this is stuff that's coming now, and yeah. people only have months, and particularly growers that have been utilizing this uh, very uh, needed H2A program for three, four, or five years. They've built their operations around this guaranteed labor supply, right? Mm -hmm. They've relied upon these hotels, motels that they've had these relationships with. And now there's going to be this very serious concern of if I cannot house my workers in these hotels, motels, where do I put them? When with we've seen in the United States inflation, you know, during and post COVID has just gone through the roof. Construction materials are high. Labor is high. You know, you used to be able to build a bed for, Eleven to fifteen thousand dollars per bed per worker. Now you're easily, easily in the fifteen to twenty thousand dollar range, right? And mm -hmm. where does somebody come up with that capital? And you know, and and so so housing regulations are going to be going to be highly regulated. So that's sort of how we got to where we're at right now. There's some 
legal challenges occurring at the federal level with the National Council of Agricultural Employers of who Waffle is on their executive committee. And we also, you know, voted with the committee to do a legal challenge audit on some procedural um, possible missteps that the Biden administration made related to the um, Administrative Procedures Act. But um, it's it's a very low percentage of a win, but we've got to do whatever we can to try and stop these rules. So um, we won't know um, if there is a possible stop until there's a hearing in front of a um, district court, a federal district court judge in D.C., probably later in January. So we are counseling our membership and anybody using H-2A plan as if the rules are going into effect. Um, but there could be this low chance this legal challenge wins. There could be a pause to that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, ne- definitely not good lose. I remember when I read the four to 500 pages of text related to the new rules. It was, it was about a gut punch as you were seeing department of labor's commentary go on and on about why they were making certain decisions about proposals in there. And every time you saw an employer advocate or an employer themselves or an association like Waffle submit public comment saying, look, can you please consider this to take down this barrier? It's an antiquated part of the rule or, can you help um, allow staggering of workers during the year, which isn't currently allowed, or maybe extend a, a long uh, an employer that's in good standing with DOL has never had violations. Let them have a certification for two years or three years to you know minimize the cost of the applications filings. Right. Anytime an employer um, offered suggestion to make the program more positive, it was just shot down by DOL. Well, we're hearing you, but <laughs> we're not going to do that, right? We need to double down on the worker yeah. enforcement stuff. And and um, but we still continue to see the use of the program skyrocket nationally and here in the state of Washington. I just looked at our 2022 numbers. I mean, we jumped. I think. Uh, about 5,000 workers from 2021 up to 2022. So wow. it's, yeah, yeah. Enrique Gastelum is with us right now. He is CEO at Wafla, um, talking about the new federal uh, updates, changes um, to the H-2A guest worker program rules. Um, we're just about out of time, but real quick, you know, with you joining, and you came to Wafla from uh, the Washington State Farm Bureau. Talk about joining the team there, and, and I guess even as a better starting point for folks who don't know what Waffle is all about, yeah, what what does Waffle do? Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I had spent the last 14 years working for the Washington Farm Bureau in their um, uh, farm safety program, helping consult with businesses. That's how I originally got started at Farm Bureau, and then the last uh, decade, I've been the chief financial officer there, helping oversee the brick and mortar side of the business. And But I've always had a passion for tracking labor stuff. And so when it came time for Dan Fazio uh, to retire, who was the originator of Waffle and the one and only CEO, um, I did see there was some big shoes to fill there. But they had um, him and his staff and their board and the membership had created a very great thing um, at Waffle, who... It became the acronym of Washington Farm Bureau, uh, Washington Farm Labor Association. But as Waffle has grown over the last decade, it's we serve growers in Oregon, Idaho, very uh, strategically positioned across the Pacific Northwest. But then we also have some farms nationally 
that we assist with. And we basically serve as a quarterback, a facilitator for farmers, um, seasonal employers, landscapers, even hotels uh, that need guest workers to bring safe uh, uh, workers safely to the United States legally um, to support these businesses in utilizing this guest worker program. So we assist the employers with understanding their legal obligations, how to file the applications. Uh, we work with professional recruiters in international countries, predominantly Mexico, but more and more coming from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, um, even South Africa, depending on what types of job skills they need. So we help facilitate all of that. We help make sure the workers are transported safely to the United States get here. Um, we work with the employers to evaluate their housing to make sure it meets standards, best practices sharing, um, and then make sure the workers go home safely at the end of the day. But all of it surrounds and, you know, Waffle is a nonprofit. Uh, we're membership organization based and driven board of directors of our own growers and um, just out to to really help people access and navigate this very complex H2A program. And with the recent, uh, you know, not passing of the um, Farm Worker Modernization Act up yeah. to the U.S. Senate, um, uh, I think we're back to square one on the immigration <laughs> front, which means the H-2A program is not going anywhere. And it even means it's that much more vital um, for people that are, are using it or possibly want to use it for it to be something that's workable. And, you know, one last piece on, on costs yeah. that I didn't touch on, which is a high one, is our runaway adverse effect wage rates and prevailing wages yes, in the yeah. state of Washington. This new rule lowered the statistical methodology used for doing these surveys, which any of us that are familiar with the H2A program and see how what's been happening in Washington and Oregon um, with our runaway wages, we are predicting this lower threshold of methodology is only going to cause those to go up that much more. And so uh, we are all communicating as ag advocate associations, um, people looking out for the industry on trying to figure out, you know, and then stack overtime on top of that in our state. Right. Yeah. And so we're all looking for ways to try and slow, slow that um, fast burning candle on those wages. So, well, and, and what's in the balance, what hangs in the balance is the future of farming and producing food here in Washington state, because there, it, it can't just infinitely continue to increase in cost um, there's a point when it's just not possible to do it and businesses, farmers, folks just won't be able to continue growing various kinds of food depending on what it is and how labor intensive it is here in Washington if this continues on the path that it's on. I don't think that's something that anyone wants, at least I certainly hope not. Uh, Enrique Gastelum with Wafla. Thank you for your time on the program this morning. Um, and we'll be checking back as we head toward, you know, we got another farming season ahead. And I'm sure there will be plenty of twists and turns. But we appreciate your uh, time checking in and uh, filling us in on the latest here this morning. Great. Thanks, Dylan. I hope you have a great new year. And thanks for thanks for having me on. Skagit Farmers Supply operates three full-service agronomy centers, trained agronomists, precision equipment, and a full range of crop protection. Located in western Washington, they market organic bagged products in stores throughout the Northwest, including Hawaii and Alaska, which are available for pickup or delivery. Skagit Farmers Supply services nurseries providing service to large-scale production as well as smaller rural living enthusiasts. Visit SkagitFarmers.com today for all of your agronomy needs. You love what you find 
Your living room is looking pretty good, but there's something missing in that corner. It's time for a trip to Wilson's. Wilson's Furniture will have dozens of great-looking accent chairs to choose from, and one is bound to be perfect for your room. And right now, with winter sale pricing, that chair will look even better. Wilson's Furniture in Ferndale. Start off the new year with the resolution to get a better night's sleep. And Wilson's Furniture has one of the largest selections of mattresses in the Northwest. Memory foam, pillow top, inner spring, and adjustable in a wide range of firmness levels that guarantee you'll find the perfect mattress for you. All at winter sale pricing. Wilson's open seven days a week. Family room, living room, bedroom, or kitchen. If one or more of the rooms in your house needs a new look, then look to Wilson's Furniture to help you out. And with winter sale pricing, Wilson's will help you get the look for any room just the way you want it. And at a price that will make you happy. Wilson's on Pacific Highway in Ferndale. Do you have friends who say, stop by any time, and you think they don't really mean that? Well, unlike those friends, Dewey Griffin Subaru's express service means it. They're open six days a week, including Saturdays. Stop by any time you need an oil change or any other minor maintenance, and they'll take care of you. No appointment necessary, and you'll get a free car wash with your service. Dewey Griffin Subaru, community-minded and community-driven, and the only certified Subaru tire and service center in the county, 1800 Iowa Street in Bellingham. In the shop. Every time I turn around, my dang old catalytic converter is missing. You can go to Jack in the Box just to get a breakfast sandwich, and if you shut your car off for a second, that cat's going to be missing. Steve from Panacea, Kirk from Angler, Brian from Dr. John, and Dan from Bellingham and Burlington Automotive. Catalytic converters, I can't count the number we've done in the last six months. Join them on In the Shop, 9 to 10 a.m. every Saturday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Don't worry about your furnace on the coldest days of the year. Talk with West Mechanical, your independent train dealer, about replacing your old inefficient furnace with a train comfort system. Today, find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Preserving a future for farming in Whatcom County. Letting the community know what's really going on with farming. Getting young people plugged in educational efforts it's i mean it's what we do here on this show it's what i do with my work with whatcom family farmers as well as the rest of the team that i work with and a lot of people in this community thankfully are very passionate about it and welcome to the farming show dylan honkoop here on kgmi the people who donate to Whatcom Family Farmers to make the whole thing work are the reason why I'm able to have this program and to do the things that I do as well as the rest of my team. And that is so appreciated. Um, but I get questions a lot. How can we help? How can we support what you're doing, Dylan, or what your coworkers are doing? Uh, we saw this cool event you had, you know, all these hundreds and hundreds of third graders coming through the Whatcom Farm Circle in the fall. How, how do we, how do we, there are different ways to support all these educational efforts for our community. And an important way to support that 
is coming up. Joining me right now on the farming show is Ellie Steensma Corbin. I almost forgot to. You're married now. I, I, I almost almost forgot to get the real last name in there. Um, of course, uh, you know, grew up on a local dairy farm. Uh, background in education now. And I always forget the your education and outreach coordinator. Is that the right term? Yep, that's right. Okay. You got it. <laughs> Second really time's embarrassing. The charm. It's really <laughs> embarrassing when you get a coworker's uh, job title wrong. <laughs> Around here, I guess, we're a small shop, so it's like everybody kind of does a lot of everything. A lot of, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> of jack-of-all-trades stuff mm-hmm. happening here uh, at Whatcom Family Farmers. But, Ellie, we are having our... This is the second time we've done it, right? That's right. And the first one was because of COVID, Mm -hmm. because we couldn't have, back in 2020, we couldn't have our normal farmer rally gathering. So we thought, what what can we do to connect with the community and allow people an opportunity to support? Well, turns out that in 2020, like everybody seemed to be doing this whole online auction thing. Mm -hmm. Despite that, it went really well. Even though like everybody and their dog was in the same boat as us trying to... You know, like, how do we get support? We can't do our normal annual events, whatever, fundraiser, dinner, yada, yada. Let's do an online auction. It, despite all of that, we had a huge amount of support. Mm-hmm. The stuff that we had donated to auction off was super cool. And so I just wanted to bring you on the program here to explain how this works, because I've already had people reach out to me saying, hey, I hear you're doing this again. I want to be a part of it. So explain. This is growing our future together Online auction happening on March 13th through 19th of this year, 2023. Yeah, 2023. Crazy, right? (laughs) So explain how it works. Yeah, so this is the second online auction that Whatcom Family Farmers will hold. And the unique thing about this auction in particular is that all of the proceeds for the auctions, whether it be sponsorships or donated items, all of those proceeds go back to support all of our education programs. So that's why I got pulled in to help, which is great. And it's been fun to already see some of the different donated items rolling in. For example, Skulton's equipment donated one week of excavator or other equipment services that can be rented Mm. out. And Mount Baker Mobile Mixing donated two yards of concrete. So just all these different businesses come in to just offer their services, which is a great opportunity for them to be able to showcase, hey, here's what our business does. And then in the meantime, they're also able to support our farmers and our education programs yeah. by putting it into our auction. I think it's, a, well, there's a few reasons why I think this is super cool and why you know, oh, there's all different fundraisers out there. And, you know, if we were just having a dinner, that could be, you know, very much a a support to our organization. We've done Mm -hmm. things like that before. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I I would, you know, have a big conversation like we're having about it on a radio show. Like, this is different when you're doing and it seems like the farming community does these kinds of things better than almost any other group, because the auction isn't just you know, little trinkets that people have made, nothing against those. I mean, there are those kinds of things as well, people who love that. They aren't just uh, giving away vacations or, you know, fishing trips, even though there is that. <laughs> yep. But it's real stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a farm kid, but that really appeals to you. I remember last year, I don't know about this year, but one local business donated, I think it was, I don't know if it was just one load or multiple loads of pit run gravel. Mm-hmm. Like, 
And what's cool about all that to me, beyond just those are the kinds of things that, like you said, Skolton's equipment, a rental of an excavator or something. Hey, that's something I could actually use. It's not just something to hang on the wall. I agree. It's like practical stuff. Like we have some of that artwork stuff too and floral offerings, various artistic aspects, which are awesome to incorporate. But it has like practical stuff too. It's a good like mix of so many different options that people can bid on. And then again, support back to our education programs and our farmers in the meantime, which is a good mix. And the win-win there is, Mm -hmm. well, it's it's a win-win-win, really. Because the person who is buying the item or service or whatever is being auctioned off wins because they get that mm-hmm. and oftentimes they can get that get something that they're going to buy anyway so instead of their dollars just going to a business they go to our organization to help what we're doing and they still get what they were going to pay for anyway well, so yeah and supporting uh, that can, business too getting an, a connection yeah. to that business. and then for the business that donates it they get to show hey they support what we're doing here and even advertise a little bit mm-hmm. it's not technically advertising but it's like hey here's something that we have and check it out and maybe it's an opportunity for someone who maybe didn't know about that business or didn't know about a particular service that they provide or goods that they provide so everybody wins in this it's such Absolutely. a like community builder mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely. So, okay, right now, this is still, this is coming up in March. It's a ways out yet. So, and I Mm -hmm. talked about this last week on the program as well. Why are we talking about this so early? Well, now is the time to get all the stuff together. So really it's, it's as important right now to be talking about this to people who might want to donate and support that way. How can people do it? That's right. So... Um, on our website, we just uploaded a place where people can find our donation and sponsorship forms. So if they go onto our website and go to the events page, it will say when the auction is, which is March 13 through 19. I'll be online, but again, now is the time to be putting in all of the donations, sponsorships, mm-hmm. getting on board with that. For the sponsorships in particular, now is a good time so that we can include all these local businesses on our print media that we're putting out for the auction and include them on any recognition that we do, like on our social media pages and such. We want to be able to give them recognition for supporting us. And then, yeah, for the items, we'll already start uh, putting out some samples of what items are available to just show people what's going to be coming up in this fun event for them to bid on. So now is the time to put all of that in. So basically you can support by sponsoring the event mm-hmm. with your person or much more likely your business. Mm-hmm. And that's just to support making this event happen. And then you can also support by donating something to be auctioned off. Yeah, item, service, whatever it might be, boating trip. Yeah. Then also you can support it by buying something during the actual auction. And there's kind of a raise the paddle sort of thing too, where people can just make their donation at that point as well. That's right. Yeah. So all, again, all of the, all of the proceeds for this support our education programs and one of the services in the auction that you can bid on is just donating 
some money to support our different programs, Real Environmental Action and Leadership, Whatcom Farm Circle, and then the Real Food, Real People podcast, which, of course, you know. All about. I, I've, I've heard of that podcast. <laughs> As a matter of fact. This is The Farming Show, by the way, here on, on KGMI. Just taking a few minutes this morning to share with you, you know, I know I, there are a lot of folks who are loyal listeners of this program. And, you know, I hear from them. Usually it's right after the show. So here in a little bit is usually that yeah, 8 o'clock hour, uh, <laughs> Saturday morning live gets going. That's when the texts start coming in off of things I talked about here on the program. <laughs> like, where did you talk? You know, how can I get in touch with that person? Or um, you got this wrong. You should have actually said this or that about, you know, farming and the issues that we talk about um, on this program. But wanted to talk about uh, this morning with this audience that is so loyal not just to the show, but the reason that they care about the show isn't because of me or the show or whatever. It's because of their passion for the farming community that we have here in Whatcom County and in Skagit County and the Pacific Northwest. We have something special. People care about that. And like I said earlier, people often want to know, how can we support? Like, what, what's the way we can really do that? And sometimes that's not always clear. This one is super easy on all these levels that we just talked about. So again, you go to the website. Are there things that people need to know as they go in? Like, there's form. You just download the forms and send them in? Or how does it work to actually be a sponsor, donate an item, etc.? Yeah, so again, all of those resources are available on our events page of our website, welcomefamilyfarmers.org. You can go onto that events page and the auction will be the top item, assuming we don't have any other big sporadic <laughs> event that comes up anytime soon. We'll tell Deanna to keep it on the top. Yeah, that's on yeah. the top and you'll be able to see there just general information about the auction, but then also, like you said, Dylan, our forms for being a sponsor or a donor and you can email those forms into us right there on our website, info at walkinfamilyfarmers.org, or you can mail them into our office, our P.O. box. Okay, so then the next step is that I, I should mention here is that this is donating to a 501c3 that's right non-profit, non-profit. organization mm-hmm. so that's a tax deductible that's donation right. as well that's right which can be very important for some folks mm-hmm. so that's a, a reminder as well so you can donate this way you can support sponsor um yes. but you said to support education programs and that's where i'm going to put you on the spot a little bit you just yeah. named them but talk, you're the education and outreach coordinator for Whatcom Family Farmers here. Yep. Yeah. So what are you working on? What are we doing? I mean, I kind of know, but you work day to day on this stuff. I help support, but I do other things in the advocacy realm. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. going on in education? What do, what do you guys really mean? I have people ask me this. What do you mean when you say education? Isn't everything that you do education? Well, yes and no, right? Right. So I guess my role is more of kind of on the younger generation side, Mm -hmm. kind of trying to inspire that next group of leaders, voters, kids who are going to be exposed to, you know, everyone should know where their food is coming from. So more in the academic, like traditional, what you would think of education, education, young adults, young people, students, Mm -hmm. that area. So the main event that our education program has here at Whatcom Family Farmers is the Whatcom Farm Circle. So in October, we had our seventh annual Whatcom Farm Circle. That's kind of the big event that we put on every year for third graders, where they come to the fairgrounds and get to learn about all different kind of categories of agriculture and how they can be connected to it. 
especially now, I just feel like so many kids have very little exposure, if like basically none exposure to agriculture as compared to even like 10, 20 years ago Mm -hmm. when everyone had some kind of farm connection, grandparents, parents or whatnot. So this is a really impactful way that we can connect with people. And, and we just had you on the show, what, a month or two ago yeah. to kind of wrap up on how it went this year. Yeah. Record-setting mm-hmm. year this past. It's yeah. like every year it continues to grow after the hiccup that was the pandemic year. Yep. We had our online version of yep. the Farm Circle, which is still great. still available if anybody wants to check it out. It's very educational. I still watch the videos just to kind of like – use them sometimes for ideas. I would but the narrator is a total dork. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't you doesn't that guy drive you nuts? <laughs> yeah, just yeah. No, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> I just, know. Just, just in, in case you, you're wondering out there, it, it's me. I narrated the videos. They're like, "Hey, you talk. You know about microphones. Do it." <laughs> okay. And I, I happen to know about raspberries and oh, and dairy a little bit and this and that. It worked out nicely. Um Oh, what, what else was I going to ask? So Whatcom Farm Circle. Yeah, so that's the big and one. That's mm-hmm. that's the big one, which, by the way, I don't want to say too much, but you guys have some kind of, you're working on some big ideas yeah. relating to that, right? Yeah. Of how to maybe take that whole idea even to the next step one way or the well, other. Well, and even like getting more students to come. We probably didn't hit half of the third graders in Whatcom County just because wow. there's, it's, it's growing. Whatcom County's growing, which is great, but... And, and There's just, only so much we can do in three days, right? Right. So. And the capacity of the event was, you're feeling like, could be getting full. Like, how do yeah. you squeeze more in? may have to figure something different. Yeah. I think there's something meaningful about having, like, a small group. You don't want to have too yes. many kids. Yeah. Because um, you can't reach them as easily that way. Kids can't ask questions. <laughs> yeah. For people who have never been good. to the farm circle, you don't understand it until you see it. And you yeah. see these kids who are pumped. They're raising their hands. They're asking questions. They're they're able to talk to farmers and people who know about this growing food stuff face-to-face. Yeah. And, and that's, I and think, the most powerful that's part That's even that. another way that if people are interested in helping out with our programs, that's another way that people can help out is volunteering at that event. So that's nice. every year in yeah. October. Also, we have the real program, yep. Real Environmental yep. Action and Leadership. Yep. So the goal with that is just helping people develop a broader understanding of what farmers are doing to promote environmental and conservational efforts yep. to improve that area. And just People have probably seen a lot of our videos on that may or may not have known that they're part of that campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, that you know, the video about the partnership on the digester out at, at Aline or yeah. you know, some of the tree planting along Fish Trap Creek or the fish friendly floodgates. You know, we've done a couple of those, you know, uh, featuring the the one out there on oh Duffner Ditch and then previously out at Rich Apples mm-hmm. um, there by the river towards Ferndale. That's all been part of that video series and been, you know, it's been possible to share those stories with the community because of the support. Yeah, support for that program in particular. Yeah. Yeah. So we're working on a few ideas for that for this upcoming year, maybe working with some local animal agriculture. Yeah. um, Well, it it often happens. And this is my, you know, I'm more the advocacy side than the education side. And some people view that as just semantics, but there's some differences, but that's important. I see when, 
when I, on my side, deal with misinformation, people telling false information about farming, trying to play on people's fears, whatever the game might be, it gets political, it can get nasty, but it goes back to people's lack of awareness. Mm -hmm. So people with an agenda can push a false narrative and people don't know better just because they don't. But also, it, it, I'll see farming community folks say, hey, that's totally unfair. We do all this good stuff. And I, fair, you know, it's, it's right in some cases for members of the public who don't know to say, oh, yeah, what are you talking about? What are you, farmers are doing good things for the environment? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I initially get frustrated too because I know about those things, but does everybody else? Right. And that's where the farming community here in supporting this kind of a program is stepping up to tell those stories Allowing so people those do stories know. Because we can't yeah. just mm -hmm. expect that, you know, something great happened with restoring a stream out in the back 40 of somebody's farm. That's incredible an environmental win. It's awesome for the community. But if nobody gets out video and shares the story on social media and explains how it all came together, nobody even knows yeah, exactly. that there was that investment in that. So anyway, there's my soapbox speech <laughs> for it. And I think you probably don't have to talk too much about the Real Food, Real People podcast. Yeah, they probably because, hear about that a lot. Yeah, I, I do tend to talk. That's my podcast, by the <laughs> way, folks. Please subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe. Well, well, follow it on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter and or subscribe and make sure you get every episode as I produce. We're on the season break, so we're, we're, we're wrapped up with season three, headed towards season four, um, but you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. It's about reconnecting folks who, like we said earlier, have no connection with their food system to the, the real people who actually do it. So we share some info about you know how farming works, but more importantly, we share the humanity that goes into it and how much these folks care and how important it is and how you can trust your food mm -hmm. and how it's being produced. Okay, we're almost out of time. I've been talking way too much, Ellie. <laughs> but any parting words here just on how people can get connected with, other than putting it on their calendar, what is it, March? March 13 to 19. Okay. Online auction. But right now, so get that on your calendar, but right now you can consider donating, sponsoring, anything else they need to know. Yeah, donating, sponsoring, and again, it's all going to support these different education programs that we've been blabbing about. It's all part of our auction theme, which is growing our future together. We all have to work together to help educate the future of agriculture and build it up in our community. WatcomFamilyFarmers.org is the page. Go to the events tab. If you don't see the, the link right there on the front page, uh, Ellie Steensma, Wycombe Family Farmers Education and Outreach Coordinator. Thanks for being with us on the program yeah. here this morning. Thank you. Oh, and of course, we should also thank the uh, title sponsor, Larson Grove CPAs and Consultants, for supporting um, this online auction. Again, Larson Grove CPAs and Consultants, our title sponsor for this event. Um, and... You know, they're a sponsor, but we're still looking for more sponsors. 